0: Hello, and welcome back to the Scene to Scene podcast. My name is Valerie Complex, associate editor and film writer at Deadline, and I am your host. This week, I'm having a heated discussion about the state of lesbian television. After several cancellations of women-loving-women shows back-to-back, fans are questioning the elements that are causing these targeted shows to get the ax. Is it poor marketing? Is it the budget cuts and layoffs? at streaming services? Is it homophobia? None of us on the ground have the answers, but my guest and I do ponder where it all comes from and talk about some solutions. Today's show features four queer speakers who include Audrey Nee and Laurel Hetchenova of the Sapphic Culture Club podcast. And Laurel, whose name I pronounced wrong during the podcast, and she doesn't tell me up until the end. So I want to apologize for that uh also i have princess weeks on the show she's an assistant editor at the geek site the mary sue and i have carolyn bergier the co-host of the Diking out podcast now if you like what you hear please be sure to like review and subscribe to the scene to scene podcast on apple and spotify I'm keeping it short because the discussion is heavy so with that let's get into it Today's conversation is about TV and film. But more specifically, TV and film that caters to queer folks. Even more specific, television and film that caters to queer women. Queer, sorry, queer folks. Sorry, I don't want to, you mm. know, get about mm-hmm. my binaries there. I've been talking to a friend of mine now about the cancellation of first kill Mm. because that was still mad (laughs) just canceled and you know i'll tell you guys a theory that i have when i at toward the end of the conversation but
1: Mm -hmm.
0: i just feel like enough is enough like when 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 are we going to get enough is enough absolutely when are we going to get something that stays on longer than two seasons like I or know, one season, like right. I know, like you know, things that don't have the staying power of like the L word or whatever. But that I don't know. I know you guys love the L word, but
2: I, I thought I don't. So it's like, it's wait, we. Wait, 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 raise your
1: hand if you love the L word. Um.
3: Okay. I mean, I. I love it in a way that I'm like obsessed with it and I'm glad it exists. <laughs> Do I think it's a great show? No, not okay. by any means. It's, but it's I just, respect this is a safe space. This is a safe
0: space. Yeah. I definitely respect it and what it did for that time period and what I guess it's doing now. What um, is it doing now? Yeah. That's a whole other podcast. Sorry, <laughs>
2: oh, my god, the L word, the L word. Dot dot dot. Why? <laughs> so,
0: um, you
4: know,
2: yeah. When Gen- you talked about
4: its staying power, I was like, why does it have staying power?
3: I know the the Q and Gen Q is for questioning why this exists. That's <laughs>
4: <Ooh>. that's that's...
2: <laughs> that's hard. That's deep. That's what the maybe bar. It's right there.
1: showtime, right? Like maybe they just don't have a lot of options compared to some of the other streaming services i don't know
4: but it's like five out of five queer people on this call are not huge like stands of the l word so it's just you know like what is going on
0: but i'll watch every episode but there you go (laughs) that's what Um, it is and i just there it's not just first kill there have been several shows that were Mm -hmm. taken out like with a rifle seems like gentleman jack then you had the um
4: the wild the wild wild
0: thank you <laughs> um, blame the no. boys for that one
3: what uh-huh. yes
4: they brought the boys in and, and then, then, then immediately it was like no nah, like yeah. oh,
1: ship dropped we've got we've yeah. got gay
4: we've here it is you wanted yeah
2: and like even though they went on for more than one season like what happened with like black lightning and what happened with fat yes. girl it's like oh yeah. did you want intersectional shit no we don't right <laughs> not anymore discover that somewhere else not on not on this network
0: yeah it's um
4: i didn't realize work in progress got canceled like yep yeah it's only
0: two seasons too
4: yeah yeah
0: my goodness something else other things have been canceled let's let's see uh, uh well, teenage
4: sucks teenage bounty hunters the society teenage
2: bounty hunter yeah yeah, yeah. And even that wasn't explicitly clear. The Babysitters Club, because you know that shit oh, was yeah. gonna get gay pretty soon. Oh, like that yeah. was just, we were one <laughs> season away.
4: <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, Q Force,
4: right? Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, Oh, that got canceled. Mm-hmm. Damn, it sure did. We we, we did that to ourselves, though. Not not gonna <laughs> lie. Like <laughs> we definitely were like, "What is this trailer?" It was a lot. Because
0: after Gentleman Jack got canceled, I was like, uh "Oh, here comes some whole a whole bunch of them we're going to be gone." But I didn't think it was going to be you know, first killed because they were like crying about the diversity and oh, it's so this and it's so that. And that was it. It was over.
4: And their numbers, from what I saw, were really good. Like, at least um, Audrey and I were talking about this, but their initial numbers were better than Heartstopper, right, which just got in- renewed for two more seasons, I think. Wow, two? like seasons. It was like yeah. double the, uh, the start numbers, I think, was uh, yeah, hours watched in the top ten or something. Well, it's supposedly the the people who
1: finished it, right? That like matter. Supposedly, it looks like it, yeah.
2: But I would say, like, even that's bizarre because, like, when The Witcher first came out, they were doing the same thing. Like, it had all of these big numbers, and they said it didn't really count for how many people finished the seas- the series, the season. But they still went and renew it because they knew it was important to invest in, I guess, white Polish fantasy. And I like The <laughs> of Witcher, course. but it's like you know, it, as someone who was like part of like working with with netflix about promoting um first kill it was very disappointing because like the budget was already very small and everyone could see that and there were definitely legitimate criticisms of the show but what i thought was very telling and kind of more about this broader scope of why these things get canceled is that there was a lot less solidarity in making sure that this show got renewed than there was in getting like hard stoppers renewed and i think uh, even though we don't want to make it like you know Mm -hmm. Um, things about women loving women versus men loving men, it, there is a difference in how those two products were allowed to be treated in queer spaces and who was elevating it and who wasn't. And I think that also comes into play when we talk about why does this show get cancelled but this show gets two more seasons. Because it's not just quality.
0: Mm-hmm. That wasn't part of my theory because it's like how men love men content has Done leaps and bounds over women, you know, WLW content or whatever, um, and, and others in between. And so it 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 boggles my mind because I feel like even down to the way that it's marketed and promoted is very different. Like I explained to 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 Laurel and Audrey once that for some reason with films that have Lesbian couples, you know, or women who love women or whatever. The marketing tends to be more vague than if it's two men together. So for the example I showed them was Brokeback Mountain versus portrait of a lady on fire. Mm. Broke back Mountain's log line was pretty explicit that it was two guys. but portrait of a lady on fire was like a woman goes to a rich woman's house to paint a
2: picture. I was like,. Um, <laughs>
0: A big part of that is missing. <laughs> and yeah, you can search it. Then search it. Believe me, I look, I did it. I showed folks because I was like, am I crazy or what? Sometimes they're, sometimes they're more explicit than others, but most of the time it's very vague when it comes to women and very sort of obvious when it comes to men. And I, I was like, okay, so that's like misogyny right? It's misogyny, and it's whatever else you want to call it. But um, I'm curious to know what you guys think about that. Let's get into talking about this dynamic and why, you know, what Prince has brought up, why the two are so different.
4: Can we talk about, like, the most salient recent example being a league of their own, people not knowing that that is queer, you know? It's like, I feel like Mm. that got tossed around in queer circles, being like, hey, did you know this show is, like, super gay. It's super mm-hmm. queer. There are so many lesbians. There's, like, trans mask representation. You would not have known based they on like the marketing, mm-hmm. you know? I'm, and the- seeing,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a ton of tweets that are, like, I've been blindsided by the gayness, you know? Whereas if right. it, it were, like, a male-led show, I think it would be a little bit different.
3: I mean, that's been a problem, too, with the reviews that they're getting. Since you're watching it on Amazon, the reviews are right there. And so many of them are snarky things like woke Olympics and didn't Uh. know that this was the gay agenda and all this kind of stuff that these people really just thought that this was going to be a remake of the movie. I also think that a lot of people after Broad City maybe kind of forgot about Abby Jacobson. Like if you weren't queer, you forgot that Abby Jacobson is queer. Yeah. And, you know, we're really just expecting something that was going to be reminiscent of a movie that came out in 1992 <sighs> that, of course, mm-hmm. was just going to be us all mapping queerness onto it and not explicit stuff. But I think, like, anybody who I know who is queer who watched A League of Their Own, the movie, um, saw it as a queer movie, and any straight person would be like, what are you talking about? That wasn't a queer movie at all. No one was gay in it. You know?
0: And it's like, Queer doesn't always mean you know playing with sexuality. You know, there's a, a community and there there are different factors, it's layered. But of course people refuse education, so they don't, you know, they're not trying to that princess. I was I was asking them to, to sort of elaborate on what you said about you know the marketing and things sort of looking different for
2: for men and women. I think it's kind of it might actually be a post blue is the warmest color thing because I remember that movie like being both very explicit about its sexuality but also people were very aware that it was being used in a very fetishistic way because it was like a male director and I think post that people have been trying to soften things you know like go in the opposite direction of like we're not it's not going to be super sexual it's going to be very like soft it's going to be you know two white women looking very sad at each other or like you know Uh, like all these period white dramas where it's like this one younger woman is going to go to this older woman's house and like fix herself and I think that that was their way of trying to avoid being seen as fetishizing um lesbians which is obviously a historical problem but they also don't really know how to show and express female love either so it's like I think it's kind of like we lose either way because the people in charge are usually not lesbians not bisexual not women loving women or you know um queer women queer folks as valerie said and that's part of the problem is that the marketing is so safe and for some reason with with two men they have they don't have that same inclination why i I don't personally know but i think it's mostly because lesbian and queer folks being together tends to be fetishized in that way if you have Tits.
3: one example that came to mind for me was in terms of marketing I remember I think it was the favorite and disobedience came around out around the same time and disobedience in the marketing was very much like forbidden love story between these the favorite I actually had no idea it was going to be gay going into it same. I just knew the cast and I was like what the hell why didn't they say anything but then the favorite was like the runaway commercial success so I think sometimes it works against like that people see oh this is a lesbian film it's not for me um whereas like maybe studios are trying to trick people into it and being like oh if we say this is like mainstream because so many times people see anything that's like lesbian or two women or or something it like the queer. They're like, oh, not for me, not for me, even though we're constantly having to watch
4: straight stuff and being like, well, I guess this is what we're watching, you know. I will say that it's a it's a hard comparison though, right? Because if you look at even sort of what the favorite is versus disobedience, like even just the stills from the movie are like, oh cool, we're gonna be in this like sort of gray and beige uh Orthodox Jewish community for the rest of this like film. Or you could be right. in this like <laughs> this palace and shooting I don't know, what did they shoot? Anyway, but, like, yeah, true, true.
1: I wonder if the another angle is, you know, marketers thinking about how a, a sort of mainstream broad audience can sort of handle lesbian lesbianism sprung on them compared to gay men. Like, they don't want, I suspect they don't think their audiences can go into a film where, like, gay, gay male love is going to be the focus and have it be a surprise. You know?
4: Oh, that's mm-hmm. a pretty. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. So um, my my ex's brother went into Brokeback ba- Broke Mountain thinking it was just a cowboy movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then he at the time was, you know, not he's less homophobic now. But at the time he left the theater because it was like they started making out or something. Um, I'm glad that that was contagious. Yeah, it's gonna (laughs) spread. Like, uh... but yeah, so I think you might, you might, that might be part of it. At least, is that it's easier, quote unquote, to spring sapphic (laughs) like WLW stories on people than it is um, MLM.
0: Wait, that's a really, really good point. I was gonna say easier why, but I think you know it's easy to decipher the reason why that is, and how does that translate into what is happening in television specifically because i feel like sometimes tv is a little bit more explicit with what you're getting and because it's like either you're you're here you know you're on the couch going to watch it or you're not so whatever we don't care but what is it about these shows that are just not lasting like does anybody have, like, an opinion on why it just may be the reason? Because, you know, at first I thought maybe misogyny is the issue, but I'm I'm realizing that the situation is slightly more complicated than I had anticipated listening to you all.
2: So I'm curious to know your thoughts on that. Well, I, I think, like, I want to say this. I think when we say easier, I think that's something that, that's worth unpacking because it's not like people don't have the homophobic reaction to like Brokeback Mountain. But I do think the difference is that in fandom, we have seen fandom communities be much more willing to to like cinnamon rollify two men. And especially if they're white cis men. And we have fandom that is much more willing to support a show that queer based them with like two men in a very different way than if it queer based them with two women. So we also have like our communities Are just much more willing to show support for mostly white couples, but white queer couples that fit those aesthetics um, when it's drawn out. You know, I was talking to um, Dana Pickledy about this, and it's like so many people about First Kill were complaining, oh, they get together so quickly, you know, and people really want this dragged out whole season until they touch hands thing and like i don't know where that comes from either because i'm like if you know, i read my romance books i'm like i want it to be a one and done but there is also this sort of fu- this desire to have queer shows be tension the whole way through and when you have something like a first kill or a like fort motherhood or these other shows where they're very queer at the very forefront what you see more is this nitpicking about well, is this the right kind of queer relationship? Is this what we want to have? It's like we see a lot of hyper scrutiny when it comes to these um, queer, WLW relationships in comparison to how the fandom responds to MLM. That's interesting.
3: This is a very different theory, and I know this is probably just a small part of it, but I do blame lesbian TikTok a little bit um I, I honestly think that that people are you know there's a limited amount of content that that you can take in and lesbian TikTok, it's crazy people spend a lot of time on there and when i talk to people like are you watching this show are you watching this show they're not but they could tell me all like all about what's happening on, on tick tock i have no idea i'd rather watch content that's like well written acted and and directed that's just my <laughs> you know not to knock anyone who's into TikTok, don't want to yuck anyone's yum um but i i think that there there is such like competition that it also makes it a lot harder for for these shows to survive like there are a lot of queer women i know who don't even know about a league of their own and they're like oh the movie i'm like are you this is the biggest thing right now like you don't know where are you so now we
0: have uh social media could also be playing a big part in this. What do you guys think?
1: Oh, I agree with both of them. I think Princess was spot on about like the vanilla packaging of the queerness mm-hmm. for white heterosexuals ultimately, right? Because like if you think about the queer shows that do remain like Queer Eye is an example like granted it's, you know, not, not like a scripted fictional show, I guess. But what is that? Like it's a vanilla show that's kind of packaged to serve a heterosexual audience. You know, and like, what are the lesbian? What are the WLW shows that are still surviving? Like, we have Generation Q, Winona Earp. Is that still on? I think so. No. No. <laughs> okay, never mind. Okay, but but that lasted like what five seasons, which you know, in the in the grand scheme of things, is actually a pretty long time for um, a lesbian show. But or it's it's not explicitly lesbian, but you know, one of the main characters. So yeah, I don't know. I think we have to look at like the diversity factor. um, who is the who's ultimately like the audience that this is serving
4: and let's not discount misogyny i mean let's... no no of, of <laughs> course
0: <laughs> <laughs> never She'd be out there uh <laughs> like it's interesting when you all mention like the race factor cuz i think that that also plays a very large part of this um you had one day at a time and hmm. five and first kill and all of that is going with the quickness first second season and just done over with i think once upon a time had a third season on netflix and then that got canned too um but you know the race plays i guess plays a very major factor in that as well because there are queer shows and queer films for for black folks for um asian folks and, and folks to all races i presume but that doesn't seem to be translating over into mainstream talk and when it does it's always negativity i'm looking at P valley for example and so that you know sort of plays that's sort of like a double whammy that intersectionality i mentioned earlier it's like oh they're they're black and gay like this is the worst thing since i spread or whatever so can you Can you talk about times that you've noticed where hmm yeah that might have been a a a thing with the uh
2: marginalization of some sort i mean i think you don't you can look no further than the conversation that we have between something like you know the favorite my portrait of the lady on fire and pariah um whereas like pariah is very much only known in niche circles and like usually black usually film nerds because you know watch more movies as always. So like, you know, that's a, that's a that's a movie that I remember seeing as like a young bisexual black woman and just being like emotionally and totally riveted. You never see that spoken in the same category as other white leaning um, queer stories. You know, we, we have so little, I also feel like when I was in a chat with some people we were talking about the ending of First Kill and people were bringing up other like important queer shows that are with women, and they're all white, you know, and it's all shows I watched, but all shows I watched with solidarity, wanting my ethnicity, my race to be represented in it. But the reverse is not often done. And I think that's also the issue is that we feel, not we, but like, I feel like there's a lack of really clear media and literacy history when it comes to the things that we work towards accomplishing and how we talk about it now. We can all sit here and not really F with, the L word, but we understand its cultural relevance and importance in the larger scheme of things. When I was reading re- reviews of First Kill, people were like, oh, we've already seen lesbian dramas. I'm sitting here like, how many lesbian vampire shows you seen with a dark-skinned Black lead who had enough screen time as everybody else? That don't just be happening. And if you had literacy in, in queer theory, in media theory, in anything, y'all would know that. But there is a very clear lacking of wanting to be critics and also want to be educated in what you're criticizing and because everyone can quote-unquote be a critic you have people who are very passionate about these things but quite frankly don't often know what they're talking about because they haven't sat and seen like you know yeah first kill had a messy first season so did Buffy so does every Star Trek show ever made and it's like we know to give stuff growing pains then but that has not translated and it leads to people kind of not giving shows chances to actually grow nor solidarity watching i the last thing i'll say is that like i quantico was a terrible show but i watched it in the background because it was a a, an asian-led female show and i was like i want this to get another season i'll put it on while i'm doing homework on hulu so it can get some streams like where is that energy for the things that we want to see more of
4: Yes, yes. I have started advocating that people ghost binge more shows that they would like to, like, give the chance to have a second season. Like, maybe you don't like it now, you know, just can you please just like stream it for the rest of us who do? And then maybe when it gets the chance to make a, a, you know, more content, you might love it. You know, like some of my favorite shows like uh, like Parks and Recreation, you know first season was whatever but second season that's where the cast really found each other and they got you know they got in their groove um i think one of the points that you were making about how everyone's a critic is is so salient it's um it's coupled especially because it's coupled with like white and male being the default you know and so once you start seeing stories about women it's like oh these are women's stories and then you start throwing like people of color in there as well and like queer women of color and it's like that's like three levels of like oh not me um and then like people just not being able to see themselves the way that we have had to see ourselves in all these movies growing up like I don't know how often I think about this but if I think about the main protagonists in all the movies that I watched as a kid it was always some like white boy you know like like et or whatever all had the same the same kind of like brown haired white kid chosen one saves the world kind of thing and it's like i grew up having to like put myself in the shoes of a straight white like boy or man forever and so it's like it's so easy for me to it's it's easy for me to do that now still today as an adult as an adult but i want to do it less and so when shows like a league of their own come up i'm thrilled and i i'm like evangelizing about them because it feels great first off and i want more of it you know it's just and i would like like princess as you were saying i like could please could someone else please do that for us you know
3: No purchase necessary.
1: Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On the topic of advocacy, I think there's also something to be said about like foundationally what the support we're getting is, right? Like, I think First Kill, Valerie, you you had mentioned the budget was something like peanuts, right? Like five million for the entire season. Compare that to a show like Stranger Things, where it's like thirty million per season. And then more recently, Lord of the Rings on like the new Lord of the Rings series on Amazon Prime, I think they're projected to spend over a billion for for, this, for the ser- series, if not the first season. I think their budget was like about $500 million. And it's like, are we going to see POC characters in Lord of the Rings? Are we going to see some like, you know, queer, Black, Asian, et cetera, hobbits? Is that going to happen? I don't know. <laughs>
4: maybe it's so interesting how much like money is the first conversation you know it's like the the budget that you give to these this this kind of media is the first thing that you're saying to the creators but then also the people who are expected to consume it it's like this is how much we care about it good luck you know here's five mil
0: you know six hundred thousand per episode as if you break it down it's kind of like kind of crazy like you know most I think Kevin Smith filmed Clerks 2 for $5 million, you know, and could you imagine a show for eight seasons spreading thin that it just you're right there are times where they're not given enough money or resources to thrive and then you have shows like Stranger Things, which I believe is like 10 or 12 million dollars an episode, um, which is extravagant, even for the position that Netflix is in, but it is what it is, and so I think that what what is the what is this what is there a solution to this? Do we just continue to at, continue to advocate and because from my point of view, things aren't moving very fast. I mean, I guess I can say I can celebrate the fact that first kill existed, but what does it mean when it's no longer an option? You know, when you talk about the the difference between like a pariah and a portrait of a lady on fire, that's why I had to curate, like I curated a whole class um, for the Seattle Film Festival about like black women in cinema. And everybody was like, oh, I didn't know. I never heard of Daughters of the Dust before. I'm like, but that I see because that's a very sort of niche thing. And so I broke down like, here are the dramas, here's where the queer cinema is at. You know, we have, we have the films, they're just not, taken you know seriously but again my question is there a solution to this issue or
3: I, I still think marketing is such a huge problem. Like so many people I know are so unaware of everything that exists. And a lot of queer people I talk to are just like, there's no queer people on TV. I'm like, no, no, there are, but you have to watch them. And and there are shows that I'm like, wait, this exists. Like, why wasn't this marketed? Like the wilds, I had to find out word of mouth and I'm like who why wasn't somebody why wasn't I bombarded with ads on my phone you know Um, like my phone knows I'm a lesbian like target me with (laughs) with this programming Um, but I think like people are so used to not being represented that they've just almost like given up on it and not to harp on the social media thing but like on social media you can find people who are just like you and very similar that you relate to hardcore and yeah they're not telling a, you know, well thought out narrative, perhaps that's like complex and has a climax or anything, but it's like, oh, there I am. I'm just going to watch this YouTuber or this TikToker because I, I see me and it's just, um, yeah, we're, we're not, we're not hitting people where they're getting the message.
0: I think, um, there's really a lot of merit in that because I, I didn't really see very much advertising for first kill beyond the initial announcement and the videos and pictures from the premiere party and that was that
3: <laughs> right. i saw one thing one thing for
4: first kill
0: wow and, and you know i know the complaints i know that this show is sort of like you know at the at the core of the, the conversation but what i found interesting was like these conversations especially when they're young girls there tends to be a lot of of sexualization, and people just sort of being like, "Well, they got together too fast, and oh my god, why are they making out so much? It's too much sex." I'm like, "Do you know any lesbians that are in high school?
2: Like, you know, it's like, may I introduce you to, but I'm a cheerleader." You know, it's like, ugh, reach a history." It's like we're losing recipes. Uh, to use it, you know, and there's a, just such a lack, of such it's a severe lack of understanding of like how far we've come, but how quickly we can shift back, you know, to go into younger media, look at the Owl House, you know, that's an Afro-Latina-led show with a bisexual lead, lesbian love interest, and all of a sudden, Disney was like, "Mm, this is not for us, and we're seeing what's happening with Warner Brothers and Discovery, shows can be lost like that, I think we, depending on where you are and and how your criticism works, it, it, it does end up being up to us to kind of making sure that we are making sure that when we're promoting things and when we're showing love to things that we're diversifying who we're following and and who we're getting our thought leadership from. You know, like it is very easy for any of us to get caught into a bubble where we're not seeing stuff, you know? And I'll I'll admit this, I was looking to start a league of our own because I'm like, I only ever heard of it as being like Abby Jacobson, plus Negroes you know I didn't know how many how those black people were going to be in the show you know so for me as a black woman it's like I don't want to get invested in another queer show where I have to choose am I going to be queer or can I be queer and black like you know I'm, I'm really over that so I think it's important that when they're marketing these shows they're marketing with what makes them good on the forefront you know Bridgerton was really good at that because you saw that there was a black man in that show forever you know the second season they got dark skin you know Indian women to be the lead like that's the kind of thing that I think shows need to start doing and I also think that we need to just encourage people to to watch more things my life has been so much better since I stopped watching every single Marvel thing as soon as it dropped because I really don't care so you know just we should be encouraging people to just watch more things be more educated and not in a ivory tower sort of way but to understand how we got from you know Zena and gabrielle as subtext to like now when they write Zena comics they're in a bed together you know to understand how we got there and just how recently that is you know the first queer canonical women love women couple in legend of cora only came out eight years ago like that's it's not that far that we've come and even that was really just like a a little thing at the end, you know. Yeah, because and also, like, stop. And also, we have to stop looking at corporations to give us representation yes. because they are not in the business of doing that. Because all those people, everything good that has come out of Disney and Nickelodeon is because creators who are queer work very, very hard to make it happen, and not because those companies wanted to do that from the jump.
4: I think. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there. Please delete it if I'm just embarrassing myself. <laughs> do you think that this conversation is related to the way that sort of like capitalism in general views lesbians as like an economic, like a a source of income. So it's like, this is why we don't have lesbian bars anymore. This is why, you know, like they're willing to market gay, male content, male gay content as what it is because they have this notion in their head even if I I don't think that the data actually proves it out that gay men will spend money. Whereas lesbians are like miserly and frugal or something. Um, I dunno, it feels like something. So even what I think the, the, the further point that I'm trying to make is that even with advocacy, we're not gonna, and princess, this is kind of what, what jumped me off into this point was like, we can't really count on mainstream, content producers to produce this content because they have this sort of like thing embedded in their brain that lesbian we're not going to make money marketing
2: to lesbians i think I that's think so. interesting and oh sorry go ahead Audrey. oh go ahead i continue. was just saying i i, I agree <laughs> plus one <laughs> i was gonna say i agree and i think that also as a bisexual woman i think it's very hard to be lesbian marketed right now in mainstream media and not and not like like I can't speak to that fully because I'm not a lesbian I'm bi but I do think that right now with the prevalence of like turfism and issues of like transphobia and biphobia I think that gay gay men have the quote-unquote privilege of not really having to deal with the trans issue in the same way that like women love women's faces have been and I think when we talk about like lesbian media a part of the marketability is that right now that there's a segment of lesbian media and I don't even know how big it is that is turf and I think that kind of bleeds into if you look at queerness as a brand there is that kind of wanting to make sure like okay we're going to have a lesbian thing how do we make sure that we know it's trans inclusive how do we know it's non-binary inclusive so I think that's part of the thing is that we are in a space right now where if you are a woman loving woman, you are dealing with sort of the issue of like, well, are you also inclusive of these other identities of womanhood within it? And that has played a role in how these things get marketed. You said a word princess. <laughs> so
0: what, what um, and you know, when we talk about solutions, like what would you like to see? Like if you like, let's give you all the power. If you have all the power, how would you sort of navigate this issue you had your own broadcast station that was as big as amazon netflix and hulu whatever and you were like you know what i'm here for the lesbian content because like queer content does exist on specific channels um like reverie for example but i don't know how many people invest in that so if you had it what would you do with it
2: well, for me, and I'm sorry again for talking so much on these things, I think about this like literally constantly. Uh, um, I think for me, it's really important for me in terms of like my queer female content, queer women, queer folk content is that like, it has to be fun. I think that the, the thing is that like so much content that I'll get is like, A League of the Own is a good movie, but I like fantasy. I like supernatural stuff. So I really want more of that. You know, I really wish we had more lesbian werewolves which I think is like duh obvious you know and to me the things that are important to me are the the nitty-gritty like we have so few representation of like actual studs we have so little body diversity we don't have any diversity of disability you know in terms of the media that we're seeing you know obviously trans and non-binary identity but also something that is really close to my heart is the existence of people with STIs you know like how many times have you seen in any of these shows that dealing with love and topic, do you see anyone with herpes in it or people living with HIV and, you know, just, we talk a lot about sex and about queer sex, but we ignore all the things, you know, that come along with it. So I would love to just see more just casual representation of the realities of what it means to be a woman loving women in these spaces, which includes stuff like HPV. It includes things like dealing with, you know, um, gender identity. And I think that, when we talk about supernatural stories and fantasy stories, there's so much room to explore that. And I think there needs to be able to have this balance of something like First Kill with a budget, with a writer's room where they could actually have the room to like make a fun, expansive story and not have to worry about not having a season two. You can make a, a Buffy or a Charmed or something with that kind of longevity, but you have to make sure that they feel safe enough to explore those issues without knowing that there's going to be a cancellation hammer right behind them. Because no one can create good art if they're just totally afraid of an algorithm and numbers that they can't see. Because we will never really know how First Kill's views went to justify if it got canceled or not. And that kind of transparency, I think, will make you make good art.
1: Yes. Everything Princess said. I... I think that this dream network has to span the entire spectrum, right? Like there has to be space for trashy, lesbian, queer women reality shows all the way up to like the prestige television that we get from HBO, you know, like I think there needs to be space for everything. And on the topic of Supernatural, that show, Supernatural, lasted like 15 seasons on the CW, you know, which I feel like CW and Netflix are probably the main offenders in canceling these shows that we're talking about so basically what princess said yeah exactly that
3: for me i think it's just throwing so much money behind these projects if i think of like yellow jackets compared to the wilds i really i mean i like yellow jackets but for me there are a lot of things that like aren't really necessarily like adding up story-wise in the in the show for me but i'm watching it i'm enjoying it but like the the star power behind it um it's shot so well and and i enjoy it and i'll watch it uh, but if i don't know what the difference is in in the budgets but um yeah if more shows had like a yellow jacket type budget imagine what you could do with it and getting the star power attached and getting the um the producers and the showrunners in hollywood who are trusted by um these studio heads and given that room to fail a little bit in the beginning and still given a second chance and I don't know too much behind it but when looking at like a league of their own the showrunner is Will Graham who did Mozart in in the Jungle Peabody Award winner uh if it was just Abby Jacobson I think there'd be a very different story of, of how it went down like I um from what I know the original writer's room was actually scrapped so they had the money to hire a writer's room uh do it as a 30 or a a half hour comedy and be like you know what this isn't right for the story we're trying to tell reassemble readjust and move forward what show what queer shows are given that grace you know
4: i'm gonna i'm gonna plus one to uh princesses fun and also um carolyn's Room for forgiveness. I feel like the combination of the two is so important, and it's just like table stakes for other content. Um, I think the other thing that I'll add is more intersectionality. Like three of my three of my favorite shows right now are A League of their own um, Reser- *Reservation Dogs* and um, *What We Do in the Shadows*. And it's like, like could we, could I have something that just like mixes? all of that stuff is so it's like indigenous vampires rooming together who are queer you know something like i that would be one of my dream type shows and so it's not like oh yeah are you watching the latest indigenous show you know or it's like are you watching the vampire show or or the queer show you know it's like can we just not can
0: we not stop siloing this
4: kind of content yeah
0: uh i was you know i think i agree with all of you i don't have a solution to it or you know but i know what i would do were i to you know be given money people have to be free to create the things that they want to create and i know a lot of times there's a lot of studio uh involvement especially if you're new everybody has a hand in, in what's going on and because they're not listening to you they're not making the connections where the creators would and so i think people have to be given the money and the, the creative freedom to create what they want to create and the way that they want to create it as opposed to because you see like films like the favorite and and it, they just feel so so free they just are what they are because the directors and producers were given the power to create this wild as hell story um but, you know, I don't think you can always... And it's so obvious when there's, like, network interference. You can see it, like, all over, you know, certain um, superhero conglomerates um, where you just know that it was, like, a boardroom decision. It's like, oh, yeah, so they made that decision in the boardroom. And, you know, I know that didn't come from the creator or whatever. So, uh, But I think I think you guys have have put out some amazing ideas and i hope that those listening continue to advocate and and let people know the things that you want to see and how you would like to be represented thank you all for for coming to uh you know to talk about a subject that's very sort of complex and there aren't just you know there isn't just one answer to that so can you let the listeners know where they can find you on social media, Carolyn, I'm presuming you're not on TikTok, but um, <laughs> I just want I want everybody to say where listeners can find them, and you know, where they can listen to your podcast, your videos, anything like that.
3: You can find me, Carolyn, at TGI Carolyn on Instagram, but I also co-host a podcast called Diking Out. That's it, diking out. And I just started a, a League of Their Own recap podcast and uh, on some of the episodes I'm recapping the episodes with the writers who wrote them and in addition mm-hmm. to recaps I'm going to be talking to like the costume designer and uh, other folks so really excited about that and that is League of Their Own Recap Pod on Instagram
0: that's exciting
2: so
3: exciting thank you so it's cool. so fun
2: um you can find me uh on Twitter under Weeks Princess Uh, on YouTube as Princess Weeks. I think I am on TikTok now as Princess Pendulum. Uh and I just I just talk about the same thing to talk about here today. I am I also do the Netflix geek podcast with my lovely co-host Tessa. We just did our lock and key episode. And uh, I'm just very happy to talk to all these cool folks today. Like this was really I've been having this rant in my heart for a while. So this was great to get it out.
4: I was just, I was also going to say same. It was really, it felt really cathartic (laughs) to say all this stuff today. I'm glad we got to um, be a part of it. Um, So you can find me at at @hechanova H-E-C-H-A-N-O-V-A on Instagram. Um, I also co-host a podcast called Sapphic Culture Club with Audrey. um, And you can find that at Sapphic Culture Club on Instagram or at Sapphic Podcast on Twitter. And you can find me on Instagram
1: at Automatic, A-U-D-O-Matic. And then what Laurel said, I'm also on TikTok as Louisa Gay Alcott, but it's just videos of my dog. So, you know, (laughs) if you want to see a goblin running around, like,
0: check it out. Um, But yeah, it was such a privilege to talk to you all today. Wow. Like you guys are an amazing group like i've been on the diking out podcast i've been on the Suffolk cultural club and that's why i wanted to give you guys a chance to return the favor and come to my podcast um, i really appreciate you all for for coming out and you know being candid with the things that you say i've never given this information out but i'm going to give it out right now my twitter handle is valerie complex and my instagram is Valerie underscore complex two because my first profile was deleted by Instagram. Thank you very much for listening in. And if you like what you heard, be sure to like, review, and subscribe to the scene to scene podcast at Apple and Spotify. And with that said, see you later. Bye
4: everybody. Bye. Thanks, Valerie.
0: Thank you all so much.
3: Thank Uh you. So great meeting everyone.
4: Yeah, this was great.